Hello, my name's Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we've got for you this week. Coming up today, Tom will look at Condor's colourful new livery, while I recap my first look at Etihad's A350. I'll look at how Royal Air Maroc fits into the One World Network, while Joe looks at the world's longest and shortest international flights. Finally, Tom will explore the best of April Fool's Day 2022. So now you know what's in store, let's get on with the show. And I mean, I have to start with this this story because, um, you know, I was looking at this yesterday and I think um, we're going to touch on April Fool's later, but... You know, if if Condor had released its new livery on Friday, it would have been classed as an April Fool's. Mm, I thought it was a late one, to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, well, you know, I kind of saw, I saw the, they updated the Twitter photo um, and I looked at it and I thought it was just like some Easter branding on the Twitter photo at first, because mm. it does kind of have a bit of an Easter feel about it and Easter's coming yeah. up. But no, they've um, they've decided they're going to scrap the Euro white livery, which is it, funny because I've seen a lot of people on Twitter who um, always complain about p- airlines going for Euro white, suddenly being like, oh, I don't like this. Mm. <laughs> um but you know, it's it, they're going for these vertical stripes that look a bit like beach towels. So, deck you know, parasols. <laughs> um, they're going to come in five colours. So they've got yellow representing sunshine, red representing passion, blue mm. representing sea, green representing island, and beige, which looks horrible, um, representing beach. <laughs> okay. Um, so according to Condor, these colours are going to stand for the diversity of the carrier's guests, their employees, and their opportunities to discover the world, um, which sounds like a lot of corporate... Um, Talk. Yeah, talk. That's the word I was looking for. Um, but yeah, um, it's interesting because it, it's, um, it isn't the only cu- um, airline that's gone with various colours. So earlier this year, we saw Iceland Air go with five variations and its variations were blue for the Northern Lights, magenta for the creative power of Iceland, sky blue for Iceland's summer skies, yellow for the sun reflecting off waterfalls and green for life even after the harshest of events. So... Um, <laughs> You know, I think okay. this is a perhaps a new trend in airline liveries. Is let's. I did not realise Iceland Air's liveries had so many deeper, meaningful connections. Yeah. I thought they were just pretty colours. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it, it's quite interesting because um, Condor's actually already launched the um, the livery. The first one arrived in Frankfurt on Monday from Maastricht, wearing the yellow, um, what was yellow sunshine livery. Um, <laughs> Over the coming weeks, five more aircraft from the A320 and 757 families are going to be painted. You'd assume that there would be at least one in each color, but um, don't put your money on it because we've seen stranger things happen. Um, (laughs) And the six uh, aircraft with the new livery are predominantly going to go to Mallorca, Greece, the Canary Islands, and Egypt. Um, Mm. Interestingly, this stripiness is going to go across the entire Condor brand. So they've said that even down to staff ID cards are going to get the new branding. Um, oh, my but, word. Yeah, but they're not going to just like throw everything out the door right now. They've said that 
nothing with the old design is going to go to waste. So existing stockpiles of items such as blank boarding passes, drinks, cups, blankets, they're all going to be depleted before they're replaced. So they're not going to... Right. Um, not just binning them. They're going yeah, to use not them up and then replace. Condor's saying that this is the most sustainable way to approach the redesign. Um, but this and cheapest. Just, yeah, I guess. It does, it does leave one question, though. Why, why refresh the brand at all? Well, the reason is that you know, Condor has effectively been flying with the Thomas Cook livery for the past mm. two and a half years. They took the actual Thomas Cook logos off of their planes um, because they survived Thomas Cook's collapse. But um, they've still essentially got the same livery on. So they've uh, the CEO was basically like, we want to show that Condor is unmistakably separate from its past. Mm. Fair enough. I'm I'm not sure that they've completely nailed it, though, I have to say. I know you love it, Tom, um, yeah, well, but you, you, know me, you do I'm love just, kind of unusual things. And, uh, if it's weird uh, and wacky, I love yeah. it. <laughs> I have to say, my husband really liked it as well. You know, he said that it's really nice to see planes that look a bit different. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure they don't look like convicts or, you know, well, prisoners of war, which isn't a great look for a German airline, but we'll we'll skirt over that. <laughs> it's. Uh, I guess it is good to see, and it'll, it'll be nice to see something more unusual at the airports. Um, but I see the green one is painted as well. And what I want to know is, how did none of these airplanes get spotted before the press release came out yesterday? <laughs> yeah, so I would imagine they were in um, paint hangers because, um, you know, the yellow one was just being repainted in Maastricht. It's quite easy to leave it. Like, obviously, it will be repainted inside and you can just leave mm -hmm. it inside until you need to bring it out. And um, I'm sure, you know, they've, they're going to get these A320. The the green one was on the 330neo that's going to come from Airbus. So you know, mm -hmm. Airbus is very tight on making its customers happy. If they if the customer says I don't want this plane to see anyone to see it before this date, then um, they will stick by that usually. So well, they've done a good job because mm. uh, normally no if there's an exciting coming. livery, there's a yeah. bit of a, a leak <laughs> in the days mm. leading up to the announcement. So good job shows that it can be done. So, moving on from Condor, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, Etihad's A350-1000. Um, now, you guys will remember that these planes started delivering a couple of years ago, um, but they didn't fly to Abu Dhabi. Weirdly, they flew um, from Airbus to a storage location in Bordeaux, and there they remained for the last kind of two and a bit years, I think it's been. Um, well, finally, Etihad started bringing them out of storage and flying them to its hub at Abu Dhabi. And um, earlier this week, or was it last week? I don't know. My, my jet lag's terrible. <laughs> I think it was last week. Um, they finally entered revenue service. Um, the first one to come into service, of course, had the brand new business cabin. Um, and I got to fly it. I was very grateful to Etihad to allow me to check it out. Um, now, the seats are super diamond, which is kind of a, a standard these days in business class. It's the same seat they use on British Airways Club Suite. Um, but of course, it's got some unique Etihad touches, um, some nice gold trim and the little lamp that they have on their Dreamliners in business class, although it's kind of shorter and fatter, um, but still very nice. Um, and, you know, overall, there's some really lovely touches. Um, there's, there's lots of storage, which is always welcome for people that are traveling business class and want to pop their phone somewhere. There's wireless charging for the phone, um, although it didn't work brilliantly, I have to say. Um, but it I was did, a nice touch anyway. I saw the sticker anyway. and I thought that that was the only thing I didn't like. I thought the sticker looked a bit cheap. 
I think the sticker looked a bit cheap and I think it actually interfered with the charging. I'm going to publish my full seat review later this week, but um, it was quite a thick sticker. And I, I took my phone out of its case. And if you kind of pressed it really hard onto the side, it would start charging and sometimes it would hold that connection. Um, but I do think that fat sticker was maybe interfering slightly. It would have been nice if they just like etched it into the, you know, just etched the symbol for charging into the, the top of the... Um, the side there. Um, but yeah, I mean, overall, it's a great product. Everybody knows the Super Diamond's a super product. Um, it's got a door, so it's a bit more of a suite. You know, it feels a bit more private. The door does close all the way, unlike on Virgin Atlantic's A350. So, um, you know, overall, very nice. There were some niggles, I have to say, as well. Um, for example, they've decided to do away with the central bins. That kind <gasps> of creates I, you know. I, you say that, but I, I, I feel like at least British Airways, which has the same product, um, to my knowledge, I may be wrong, also has the central bins gone there. Yeah, I think Virgin took theirs as well. Um, and, you know, it does create like a cathedral-like um, appearance to the business class cabin, which is lovely. Um, but actually, they've got a lot of business class seats in there. It's quite a dense cabin. And there were some issues when we travelled. Um, as media with people finding enough bins to put their hand luggage um, because you're allowed like an extra piece as a business class traveler and and you know being media lots of people have brought camera bags and stuff so there was there was a little bit of a space issue but I guess with regular travelers that probably won't be an issue I, um, I, I would perhaps disagree because I think a lot of regular travelers um, especially maybe in business class will try and carry only carry-ons so they don't have to use yeah. the 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 check-in i you know this is the reason i i i use check-in when i carry bags because it just saves this whole hassle of mm. fighting for the overhead bins well i had a bag that was small enough to carry on but i couldn't be bothered to separate my liquids so i checked it in anyway <laughs> i just didn't want really to drag it around the airport all day um anyway so there's no loft um like virgin did there's no kind of social space or anything exciting like that they've just packed in as many seats as they can um but they have also done some improvements back down in economy which is great to see um they've managed to steal about an extra two inches of leg space without reducing the density of the seats and this is just through intelligent seat design so really cool to see actually um if you're a bit of a seat nerd like me um and also they've got huge screens these are um i believe they're 13 and a half inches in economy which is a good two inches is bigger um, than I'm aware anybody else is doing in a college like standard economy on the A350. Um, and of course, they've got my favorite, favorite little um, feature, which is Bluetooth pairing for your very own headphones. So if you've invested in your, your very nice um, Bang & Olufsen or your Beats or your um, Apple AirPods, and you'd rather use those than the, the ones issued by the airline, then that is an option throughout the aircraft. So that was, that was good to see. Um, this particular aircraft that flew the first service is registered A6XWB. It's the same one that you and I saw in Dubai last year. Yeah, with the, but they would not let me on despite my protests. <laughs> <laughs> with the, um, they've got the special livery on the side, which mm. ostensibly is celebrating 50 years of the United Arab Emirates. It's a big 50 with the kind of UAE flag colours down the side. Um, but it's got a triple meaning, if you like, or a quadruple even, because Tony was saying, Tony Douglas, the CEO of Etihad, that it's also representative of the A350, because it's a 50. It's also representative of 2050, which is obviously the year that aviation is trying to achieve net zero. 
And so as a result, it is known in Etihad as the Sustainability 50. Um, this aircraft is going to be a flying testbed testing sustainable technologies. It's going to be the sister ship to the Greenliner, which I know is one of your favourite aircraft, Tom. Um, mm. And not only will they be testing their own technology, sort of seeing how much SAF they can use and testing little alterations to the service and the passenger experience, the flight paths, things like that. They're also opening it up to third parties. So small and medium enterprises, um, innovators, inventors, startups. Um, and they're saying, right, here's a plane where you can test your idea and see how it works in practice. You know, how that does work in practice remains to be seen. You know, I can't imagine just anyone can rock up and say, hey, I've got Let's a widget and I want to stick Let's it on your it. A350. But yep. uh, we will see. We will see what that comes out with in the end. I, I know there's been some. GoPro to the wing. <laughs> there's been some really cool technologies tested on the Green Liner to date, um, you know, particularly with like continuous descent and different flight paths and, um, you know, altering. The one that I found really interesting, they've been altering the altitude um, to avoid leaving contrails because apparently that's pollution. Um, so really interesting to, to hear all about that anyway. Um, so we flew from Abu Dhabi to Paris. The reason they chose Paris was to honour Airbus at their home. Um, so that was nice. They're going to take a total of five, or introduce, should I say, because they've already taken them years ago, a total of five A350s by the end of this year. Um, they are doing proving flights at the moment, so you'll see them hopping around Europe on fairly short routes. Um, but they are going to be flying to Chicago and JFK later in the year, um, probably um, as the kind of peak summer season starts. Those will be their very long flights. Um, but in between very long flights, they're also going to be hopping into India. They're going to be going to Mumbai and Delhi um, because Tony says that there's a huge diaspora of um, US green card holders who are in India that want to get to the US and they can find an easy connection through Abu Dhabi with the A350. Um, so Indian Av Geeks, watch out for these lovely new planes coming to an airport near you soon. Um, they also revealed that they've already exercised options for two more A350s. So in total, they're now expecting a fleet of 14. Um, but the CEO would not commit to a timeline for the introduction of these extra aircraft. Basically, he's saying that they need to stay agile and that the speed of introduction or delivery of the new aircraft would be dictated by the speed of the recovery of aviation. So, obviously, talking a lot of sense as always. Um, but he did say that when more of the fleet begins to be introduced, they would be looking at flying to Australia and Western Europe. He didn't name any airports, but I have a feeling that London and Frankfurt will be up there. <laughs> what Good. do you think, Tom? Um, I don't know. I think I'm just excited to see the A350 freighters that they want. You know? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, from one trip to another, I know last week I kind of touched on my adventure with uh, Royal Air Maroc. Well, I went a bit a bit deeper into the numbers this week and I looked at exactly how the airline completes One World's network because, you know, when we were in Lagos, the sort of driving sort of theme was One World is now in Africa, One World is now in Africa. So I thought, okay, let's see exactly how much One World is in Africa now. Um, I did some numbers. I compared April 2022 to April 2019 because obviously 2020 and 2021 aren't great reference points. Um, it's interesting though because, you know, I looked at Royal, uh, One World in Africa before Royal Air Maroc and um, 
there was uh, around 3,300 flights scheduled to destinations in Africa on uh, One World carriers in April 2019. Interestingly, 70% of all of those flights were British Airways, uh, 0.9% Cafe Pacific, 6.4% Iberia, Qantas was 0.8%, Qatar was 16.4%, Royal Jordanian was 46 and Sri Lankan Airlines was 0.4%. So, you know, one world's main presence in Africa before Royal Air Maroc was British Airways. Um, the seven carriers served 30 destinations on the continent. Um, interestingly, there were four destinations in South Africa that were in the top four. Johannesburg, Cape Town, Durban and Port Elizabeth. They accounted for almost two thirds of all one world services to Africa. So, you know, there are more destinations being served, but the majority of One World to Africa is BA to South Africa. Um, so then I kind of thought, well, let's look at the situation now. So um, if you exclude Royal Air Maroc, there were 3,360 flights scheduled to 32 destinations in um, Africa with One World carriers this April. Um, when you add in Royal Air Maroc, they've got 845 services to African destinations originating from Casablanca. Interestingly, though, there's very little overlap with the existing One World Network. So, for, according to um, schedule data from Syria, my friends, um, Royal Air Maroc, they've got 30 unique destinations from Casablanca that aren't served by other member airlines. And then there's seven that are served by Royal Air Maroc and another One World airline and 24 that are served by someone other than Royal Air Maroc. So um, the next step, obviously, put it on a map. So I did that and you can see that, you know, Royal Air Maroc, their big focus in Africa is on the west of Africa. And um, when you contrast that with the existing One World network to Africa, um, that's a very sort of neglected area in the One World network. So when you visualize it, I'd recommend looking on the article because it makes it really clear when you visualize it, but it really is a, a, a sort of good idea for One World to get them in because there's still like a, a big part of Africa that's maybe neglected, but this has filled a big hole. Mm, awesome. Um, so I wanted to just talk about a little bit about um, the world's longest route. Now, you know, if, if you said to people, what's the world's longest flight? Most people would be able to name the Singapore Airlines flight between Singapore and New York, um, which has been the world's longest flight. But another airline is on the cusp of launching a longer flight. And it's exciting. Um, it's the, the situation around it is not so exciting. But um, for me, I think this is I love looking at like the longest and shortest flights and seeing who's going where. So Cathay Pacific is planning a flight which will overtake Singapore Airlines' longest flight. Um, and this is all because of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, um, because of the sanctions and the no-fly zones over the, the airspace. Um, so Cathay will alter the route between Hong Kong and New York. So rather than flying over the Pacific and then over Russian airspace, um, it's planning to do a flight that routes over Europe um, and, and the Atlantic instead. So it's going the wrong way around, basically. Um, in total, the new flight path would be 10,357 miles, which will be a new record. Um, and it will be in the air for 17 hours and 50 minutes. Um, so Singapore Airlines still holds the longest flight time in the world at 18 hours for its Singapore to New York route. Um, but because the direction that Cathay's flying means 
wins, it gets the tailwinds. It covers more distance in a shorter amount of time. Um, so maybe but they Singap- should just slow the flight, the plane down a little bit <laughs> <laughs> to get the record. So yeah. Singapore Airlines, um, they fly nine thousand, just over nine thousand five hundred miles. Um, and so yeah, Cathay's flying about another seven hundred miles, I believe. Um, so it's interesting because they're not, they aren't using a specially designed aircraft. You know, um, uh, Singapore obviously flies the all business A350, the very like non dense version um, that Airbus calls the ultra long haul version of the A350. Um, you know, Cathay's just flying a regular old A, uh, A350 on the route. So um, yeah, it's cool. I don't think they'd be able to do it in the other direction, but because of the yeah. tailwinds, they're, they're going to be doing it in the um, return direction just fine. I kind of imagine that the the loads on the plane are probably fairly low anyway, given the strict rules to enter and leave Hong Kong. And yeah, exactly. It's probably going to be mostly so cargo and just a yeah. few select people. So I'm sure mm. that does help. Um, and at the same time, Qantas has revealed its shortest international route. Um, so this isn't the shortest international route. Um, that's still held by um, a, a little sector between Brazzaville and Kinshasa, which is between Congo Republic and the Democratic Republic of Congo, um, which covers just 13 miles. Um, but for Qantas, you know, they, they're well known for lots of long haul international flights, some of the longest flights in the world. Um, but the new route they've announced um, connects the capital of Timor-Leste to Darwin. Um, The airport's called Dili. Now, it has been flying this route since last April using a 737-800, but that was via an Australian government essential air services contract. So, a bit like our public service obligation routes that we get in Europe. Um, But now, the contract has run out. So, they are launching the route as a scheduled service and it's become Qantas's shortest international scheduled service. Um, So, it's a one-hour, 20-minute flight, which actually doesn't sound that short because, you know, we got lots shorter than that. But for an international flight, I guess it's quite short. Um, and it covers, covers about 450 miles. Oh, yeah, it's Qantas, isn't it? I was going to say, like, surely, like, London to Amsterdam isn't even that, but Qantas <laughs> yeah, don't Qantas. fly that route. <laughs> no, for it's, Qantas, You can tell I've only short. had one coffee at this point. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got to remember, you know, Qantas, like their domestic flights, are pretty long haul on a lot of them. Um, so, you know, this is a, it's an interesting international flight to see anyway um so i just i just wanted to flag those up because i i do find it quite interesting mm. well it is interesting um i <laughs> wanted to end the the podcast on maybe a slightly outdated um but lighter note and i wanted to talk about the best april fools um pranks that i found from airlines and aviation related entities um okay. on, on april fool's day so you know like <laughs> I I think the best one, the award for, or one of the best ones was Emirates. You know, Emirates always does something good. Um, I think (laughs) they kind of, they've done better though. This year they launched Emirates, which is an anagram of Emirates. um, Mm. And it was basically meant to be like a sort of Deliveroo, um, Just Eat type service where you could, like I could order a pizza from Italy, say, and then um, a cabin crew would go (laughs) get it from the restaurant and then they'd fly it to Dubai and then fly it to um, Frankfurt and then deliver it to my house. And um, (laughs) they used that in the example video and the guy was like, oh, the pizza's a little bit cold. Um, (laughs) You know, I quite like that one. Um, You would like this one, uh, Lyft, the South African carrier. Um, They announced that they were going to be launching dogs only flights, um, including (laughs) Um, the the crew would also be from the four-legged variety so um, 
Yeah, um, I thought that was. Um, they did create a mock-up of the aircraft, and it had a grass um, carpet in the middle, and um, instead of the sort of uh, toilet the at the back, yeah, they just had a um, um, a fire hydrant in the back. So. Um, I also Brilliant. like Gen Geneva Airport have come up with this new scheme um, to save uh, queuing for security lines. Uh, instead, on a voluntary basis, if you've got an approved helmet at check-in, you can get in a basket and in, you'll go with your bag to the airplane uh, through the belly of the aircraft and then they'll deliver <laughs> you there and then you'll just walk up the steps. Um, oh, they did a goodness. whole video about this. It's quite good. I recommend checking it out. Um I did also like um, French Painter from Twitter um, shared a photo of a Ryanair Airbus A350 850. Uh, <laughs> <that> <laughs> what what exactly does that look like then? Um, well, it's uh, interestingly, it's a, um, an unpainted airplane with a Ryanair um, tail. But okay. it's missing the engines, which presumably are an optional extra for the Dash 850, because <laughs> um, Ryanair <laughs> loves their optional extras. Um, another one that I liked, um, this one I think was maybe the winner this year. Um, WestJet revealed that it was going to launch uh, Boeing 787 flights to space with its new subsidiary WestJet WestJet X, oh, with I the X that. meaning space. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tickets are going to cost half a million for a one-way trip. But nice. um, WestJet did say that's half the price of the company's competitors, but the company's competitors don't go one way. So um, figure that what you will. Um, but there is going to be Wi-Fi available so you can TikTok from space. Um, I think the best one, though, was um, an airline startup that I saw. And it's um, called Simple Flights by Simple Flying. <laughs> so our joke was that um, we were going to launch an airline um, flying from London Heathrow to London Gatwick, from Newark to New York, and um, from Tokyo Haneda to Tokyo Narita, and then flying between these hubs um, with um, some very creative seating ideas from my balcony. Um, you know, I, I didn't expect that it would get you know like it got quite a lot of um of um good attention good response good, from good the community attention. so yes. um, yeah. clearly that was that was a good idea but um, we do have a sense of humor honest yeah you know i think <laughs> you did I a great job tom is, i enjoyed it the thing is you know like some people i think you know april fool's day go ridiculous you know show it's not going to be um like, don't go something like, oh, could this be right? You know, just go ridiculous from the, the get-go. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the morning on, on April the 1st, I was actually um, waking up very after a very lovely sleep because I'd had no sleep for like two days in a hotel in Paris. And I got a WhatsApp from Sam Chewy saying... Um, cancel the flight it's snowing buckets here and I thought oh yeah funny April Fool's and then looked out the window and it actually was um so yeah there was snow in Paris and then we flew to Abu Dhabi and it was roasting hot so I didn't know what to wear we had snow <laughs> but, in Frankfurt <laughs> oh lucky you we just had freezing cold in the UK according to my children um but did you hear about the April Fool's prank by Vietjet um, I did, yes. Um, the one that been has been referred to the police for insulting the, the royals. The monarchy, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Punishable by up to 15 years in prison. So definitely don't want to be their social media manager today. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I think that's all we've got time for on today's podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback as always at podcast at simpleflying.com. For more great content, you can visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media. Simply search for Simple Flying. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Bye.